0: And with a glimpse at the glorious things yet to come.
1: For behold, I am bringing forth. Listen, my servant, the branch. The branch is the sprout coming out of the root of Jesse, Jesus, the coming Messiah. Listen to Isaiah 11:10. And in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious in the millennium, the ultimate fulfillment.
0: Welcome to Simple Truths, the daily half-hour study of God's Word with Xavier Reese, Senior Pastor of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California. From the United Nations, ISIS, to rogue countries like North Korea, it seems like today's international struggles are only getting more volatile. And so coming up, Pastor Xavier turns back to the Old Testament to take a closer look at the importance the nation of Israel really plays in the world today. We'll be joining him for the simple truths contained in an intriguing study of history in the making from the book of Zechariah.
1: Let's listen. Turn your Bibles there, Zechariah 3. We're going to look at all 10 verses and the message entitled Israel, the Priestly Nation. Notice in verse 1, the prophet Zechariah saw the judicial court in heaven, the ultimate authority. The one presenting the vision is the angel that interpreted the first three visions. Listen, then he showed me. Joshua. In the first vision, this angel said, I will show you what they are, the three horses, the red, sorrow, and the white, in chapter 1, verse 9. In the second vision, he informed Joshua about the four horses. These are the horns that have scattered Judah, Israel, chapter 1, verse 19 and 21. The third vision of the measuring line of the angel told another angel to Tell Joshua Jerusalem would be inhabited and the people with livestock. And quoting the words of Yahweh here, chapter 2, verse 3 and 4, 5 through 13. So it's the angel that's been interpreted as the same one here. The he in our text is that same angel. Now he shows Zechariah here, Joshua. The vision now reveals Zechariah to him, Joshua, as the representative of the nation. Listen what he says. Joshua the high priest standing before the angel of the Lord. The high priest was the representative of the nation. In verse 9, the land of Israel is the focus. And I will remove the iniquity of that land in one day. One day. That is the millennial kingdom. In verse 10, the priestly nation will have peace and prosperity in the kingdom. Like the nation of Israel, God forgives sinners every sin. When they come to Jesus, the high priest in heaven, the condition is repentance, the result is salvation. Notice secondly comes the present reconciliation of Israel. In verse 3, the prophet Zechariah saw the past sin of the nation of Israel. Though they're forgiven, he wants them to understand what's taking place here. The vision is one of guilt and shame. Now Joshua is clothed with filthy garments. The nation had been defiled and corrupted by their departure from God through idolatry that marked their own self-righteousness also. Corruption. Now, notice the vision is one of being before the divine judge and was standing before the angel. The word angel, again, capitalized correctly because it refers to the angel of the Lord, the second person of the Godhead. Look at verse 4 and 5. The prophet Zechariah saw the justification of Israel by God that word sound good? Justification? Romans 5, 1 and 2. The prophet in his vision heard the verdict of being absolved of all sin. This is from the court of heaven. Then he answered and spoke to those who stood before him, saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. The speaker is he, the angel of the Lord. The promised Messiah that would come to the nation about 500 years from this time. But he would be rejected by the nation. He came to his own. His own received him not. In John 1.11. The orders, notice, were given. Those who stood before him. That's to who they were given. These have to be angels. They are ministering spirits to the earth of salvation. As we've noted many times. Hebrews 1.14. The verdict was pronounced saying, Take away the filthy garments from him. The statement is one of forgiveness for the nation's sins. Joshua is the representative, the high priest of the nation. The nation is forgiven first. And to him he said, see, I have removed your iniquity from you. The authority once against the angel of the Lord. And to him he said, I have removed your iniquity from you. What's the basis of that? Listen, repentance. Repentance in God's grace. Based on what he has done for us. The basis of forgiveness is always repentance that is verified by both Haggai and Zechariah. Haggai 1.12, the word of the Lord came to Haggai, they repented. 1.12, the word of the Lord came to Zechariah 1.6, they repented. If they hadn't repented, it would be a whole different message. Now notice the verification of their justification came second. And I will clothe you with rich robes. The nation had clothed himself with filthy garments and God had chastened her for those 70 years. The nation now would be clothed with these robes, uh, referring to robes of state or festive garments. Notice the prophet joined the celebration of the righteousness on the nation of Israel. He he is excited. He jumps into this whole thing. Look at verse 5. Joshua, being high priest, knew the garments of righteousness needed to be accompanied with the headdress of righteousness. So he says, and I said, let him put on a, a clean turban on his head. In the approval of forgiveness, justification, in righteous standing of the nation of Israel before God was approved by a witness. Who is it? Look at it. And the angel of the Lord stood by. Who's that? Jesus, their coming Messiah. The world always describes man as good, worthy, able, and loving, working for the good of humanity. I always would like to ask them a the question, what planet are you looking at? We do have a capacity for good because we're creating the image and likeness of God, but our bent is towards evil and darkness. Now, listen to Paul. In which you once walked according to the course of this world, according to the prince and the power of the air, the spirit that now works in the sons of disobedience, among whom also we once conducted ourselves in the lust of our flesh, fulfilling the desires of the flesh and of the mind, and were by nature the children of wrath just as others. Ephesians 2, 2-3. Now either Paul is telling the truth or he's lying. Which one is it? Children of wrath by nature. None of the good that you and I can do will ever justify us of entering heaven or deserving it. Never. Not one. We're dead in trespasses and sins, Ephesians 2 1 says. God loves us so much, ladies and gentlemen, that He's brutally honest with us regarding our loathsome condition. Isaiah puts it this way Isaiah 64 6. But we are all like an unclean thing, and all our righteousness are like filthy rags. That word filthy rag means a menstrual garment. This is how bad your good and my good is a menstrual garment. It's worthless. The only way any person can be justified and reconciled to God is by the atoning work of Jesus Christ, ladies and gentlemen. No other way. Our filthy rags were exchanged for the righteousness of Jesus Christ. Listen to Paul in Romans three, twenty-three through 26. For all have sinned and come short of, fall short of the glory of God, being justified freely by his grace through the redemption that is in Christ Jesus, whom God has set forth as the propitiation, that which satisfies the demands of God, by his blood. Through faith to demonstrate his righteousness because in his forbearance God has passed over the sins that were previously committed to demonstrate at the present time his righteousness that he might be just and to justify the one who has faith in Jesus. That's why Paul says in Romans one sixteen and 17, I'm not ashamed of the gospel of Jesus Christ as the power of God unto salvation, the Jew first and the Gentile, for therein is the righteousness of God revealed from faith to faith. He's quoting Habakkuk 2, 4. Romans 1, 16 and 17, that's the whole proposition of all Romans. And he just hammers it from every angle from one chapter to the other. What Jesus did for us by grace. God makes us whiter than snow. White garments in Jesus Christ. In fact, Psalm one seven says, Purge me with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash me, and I shall be whiter than snow. You know why the psalm says whiter than snow? Because every snowflake has a dirty heart. It's wrapped around a speck of dust. Simple. Whiter than snow. The Spirit... Says to the church of Sardis, you have a few names even in Sardis who have not defiled their garments and they shall walk with me in white for they are worthy. Revelation 3, 4. How are they worthy? By repentance. And I said to him, sir, Revelation 7, 14, the tribulation period. He asked, who are these? Sir, you know. So he said to me, these are the ones who come out of the great tribulation and wash their robes and made them white in the blood of the lamb. That's the only way. Whether it be the church age or the tribulation period or the millennial, it's always the blood of the lamb. And to her, it was granted to be arrayed in fine linen, clean and bright. For the fine linen is the righteous acts of the saints. Revelation 19.8. That's the second coming as we're coming back to set up the kingdom with Jesus Christ. The heavenly court calls you and I who are saved many different things. Sons, saints, daughters, elect, the bride, the body, the elect. The present reconciliation of Israel had been verified, justified completely. Notice thirdly comes the future restoration of Israel, verse 6-10. through 10. In 6 and 7, the prophet Zechariah heard the instruction given to Joshua and the vision regarding the conditional blessing in the present restoration. Listen to the land. We're going to see this as we move through there. In verse 6 here, the pre-incarnate Christ addressed Joshua as the representative of the nation again. Then the angel of the Lord admonished Joshua. The word admonish means to testify or bear witness to a person. The words are recorded in the next verses we'll see. But hear the word admonish. It is a charge as an imperative. It is a warning if not obeyed. It is an exhortation to obey. All those things. The time is post-captivity. The failure of the past was gone. You're chasing your son, your daughter. You deal with it. It's done. Celebration. The important factor now was obedience. If not, there would be disobedience and more consequences. Notice the protector of Israel in verse 7 stated the conditions of the nation. Thus says the Lord of hosts, if you will walk in my ways and if you will keep my command. The title of the one addressing Joshua again, as we've come across before, the Lord of hosts, the captain of the armies of heaven. The title appears 52 times in the book, three in this chapter. Notice God is the protector of those who are his living in holiness. The first condition in verse 7 has to do with being faithful and loyal to God. Listen to the word. If you will walk in my ways. If you will walk in my ways. The conditional clause starts with the word if. This is called a protasis, Stating the particular agreement or what's needed to be met. The word ways means the manner and habit of course of life with God's nature and character. The way God would... Be living this life out. The second condition has to do with being obedient to the word of God. And if you will keep my command, the word keep means to guard, retain, or to observe in obedience. The specific commands, the statutes, the judgments, so on and so forth of his word. Now again, the word if makes this still part of the protoces, the conditions, the conditional clause. Notice the protector of Israel would also be the one to bless. Then you shall also judge my house, and I likewise have charge of my courts, and I will give you places to walk among these who stand here. The result or outcome of the conditional clause call now is the apodosis, describing the three benefits or consequences of that obedience. Notice the first benefit has to do with Joshua being high priest as a representative of the nation of Israel. Then you shall also judge my house. Verse 7. Second benefit has to do with Joshua's overseeing the priest and the sacrificial system for the nation of Israel and to be in fellowship with God. And likewise have charge of my courts. The third benefit has to do with Joshua being honored and his brethren, the priest. And the people, I will give you places to walk among these who stand here, his fellow priests. Look at verse 8 through 10. The prophet Zechariah heard the interpretation given to Joshua in the vision regarding the prophetical priesthood in the kingdom. God does not allow us to do something dumb and mess it up. He gives us the interpretation. The angels give the interpretation. We're not left to our own subjective understanding for the book of Zechariah. Listen carefully in verse 8. The high priest Joshua and the other priests represented something greater than themselves. God interpreted for Joshua and his fellow priests. They were types pointing to the ultimate high priest. Look at the connection. Stay on the trail. He was to pay close attention. Hear, O Joshua, the high priest. He and the others were types of the high priesthood of the Messiah to come. You and your companions who sit before you, for they are a wondrous sign. Wondrous sign means a token of future events. A true type has a future fulfillment. So the type points forward. The fulfillment is called the anti-type. When the anti-type is fulfilled, it confirms that there was a true genuine type pointing to it. Okay? A lot of people use typology wrong. Let me give you the example. It's always confirmed in the New Testament if it's a true type. Jesus said in John 314 15 speaking to Nicodemus, As Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness, so must the Son of Man be lifted up, that whoever believes it should not perish, but have everlasting life. Back in Numbers, Moses lifted up the serpent in the wilderness. Brass, judgment, serpent, sin, the pole, type of the cross. Jesus says, that was speaking about me. Whoever looks upon it with faith shall be saved. The type, the pole on the cross, the serpent. The anti-type, Jesus Christ lifted up on the cross. Type, anti-type. Many people say, well, there's a type of this. But it doesn't say that in the New Testament. And they use the word loosely. And they interpret it subjectively. And they do damage to scripture. Notice God interpreted for Joshua, the person of the ultimate high priest. For behold, I am bringing forth... Listen, my servant, the branch. See how you tie them together. I can't separate these visions. They're tied together. It's like a choo-choo train. These are the words of the Father regarding the Son. For behold, I am bringing my servant, the branch... The branch is the shoot or the sprout coming out of the root of Jesse, Jesus, the coming Messiah. Listen to Isaiah eleven ten, and in that day there shall be a root of Jesse who shall stand as a banner to the people. For the Gentiles shall seek him, and his resting place shall be glorious. Notice Joshua, in the Greek, is the name Jesus. Joshua, Hebrew, Greek, Jesus, the representative of the nation, the true representative of the nation. In the future, the high priest in the millennium, the ultimate fulfillment. Now notice 9 and 10, the coming of the high priest, the Messiah, would be at the second coming to establish the kingdom age for the ultimate fulfillment of the final restoration of the nation of Israel, the nation of priests. We will never establish the kingdom. We will never do it. Jesus sets up the kingdom. The one revealing all this is God the Father, and now adds another prophetic shadow and type. Don't miss it. The Father ties the branch and the stone together as the same person. For behold, the stone that I have laid before Joshua upon the stone are seven Eyes. The stone is the one cut not with hands that was in the vision of Nebuchadnezzar that struck the image of the ten toes at the feet and des- destroyed it, and it just kept growing and-, and took over the whole earth. That stone cut not with a hand is the virgin birth of Jesus Christ, Messiah, who destroys the kingdom of the Antichrist and sets up the kingdom. It's all tied together, ladies and gentlemen. We're not free to interpret it. The stone struck the image. Daniel 2, 34 to 35. Set up the kingdom. The seven eyes are symbolic of the complete wisdom, referring to Jesus in Isaiah. Isaiah 11:2 says, The spirit of the Lord shall rest upon me, the spirit of wisdom, understanding, the spirit of counsel and might, the spirit of knowledge, and of fear of the Lord. John also mentions this in Revelation 5, 6. And I looked, and behold, in the middle of the throne, and the four living creatures in the midst of the elders stood a lamb as though it had been slain, having seven horns and seven eyes, which are the seven spirits of God sent out into all the earth. You see, the Father assured Joshua of the fulfillment. All that I'm telling you, this is the vision. It's going to happen. Listen to the words, verse 9 at the end there. Behold, I will engrave... It's inscription says the Lord of hosts. The church fathers interpreted this to mean that it was meant the scars in the, in the hands and the feet of Jesus when we see him. I'm not sure of that. I think Isaiah says we will see that, but I'm not sure this text says that. I think this could simply mean that God repeating this prophecy throughout the different books and different prophets guarantees the fulfillment of it. Okay? But if he said it one time, that's that guarantee enough. Okay? But the repetition just reminds us of the guarantee. Now, notice the Father revealed immediately after the second coming, the kingdom age would be set up. Listen to his words. And I will remove the iniquity of the land. Listen, here's the key. In one day. The land, what? Listen, land, the people go together. Another peanut butter and jelly sandwich. You can't separate them. The land, the people go together. God gave the land to Israel. They have the pink slip on it. The title deed. The father confirmed that he was referring to the kingdom age. You can't miss it. Look at verse 10. In that day, it refers to the millennial reign of Christ. The phrase in that day is mentioned 18 times in the 14 chapters. 18 times. It's key. It'll ultimately end up in the millennial kingdom. Israel reigning a nation of priests for a thousand years. The authority is from the captain of the armies of heaven, the protector of Israel, thus saith the Lord of hosts. The emblem and symbol of peace and prosperity affirms the kingdom age. Listen to the words. Everyone will invite his neighbor under the vine and under his fig tree. This is confirmed, 1 Kings 4, 24 and 25, Micah 4, 4 and many others. These two emblems speak of the millennial kingdom. The Jews had the mindset, the present age, evil, the age to come, the kingdom age. The disciples kept asking Jesus, will you at this time restore the kingdom? They're walking towards Jerusalem from the of Philippi, six months from the cross, under the shadow of the cross. And they're ready to go. They think that Jesus is going to knock off Rome and set up the kingdom. That's why John's mom, James and John's mom said, Can they have the right? Can they have the left? He You know what we're talking about. They thought that he was going to set up the kingdom. They knew. It just wasn't time. Those who teach replacement theology, deny God will deal with Israel to establish the kingdom age, are calling God a liar. If you teach that God is through with Israel, and there is no millennial kingdom, you're not biblical. The nation of Israel and the church are two distinct, different groups, though both of them are said to be priests. God declared to Moses and Mount Sinai, as I said in Exodus 19, 6, that they were a nation of priests, holy nation of priests. 1 Peter 2, 9, it says that you are a chosen generation, a royal priesthood, a holy nation, his own special people, that you may proclaim the praises of him who called you out of darkness into the marvelous light. So we, the church, are called A priesthood, a royal priesthood also. Revelation 1.6, he calls us kings and a nation of priests also. Now the church is looking for a spiritual heavenly kingdom. Israel is looking for a physical earthly kingdom. You see the difference? One's a virgin, one's a divorced woman put away. One's seeking a spiritual heavenly kingdom, the other one an earthly material kingdom. The church is the bride of Christ, looking for that wedding. Israel has been married, put away by divorce. Listen to the words of Jesus in Matthew twenty-three, thirty-seven, 37 39. O Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the one who kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to her. How often I wanted to gather your children together as a hen gathers her chicks under her wings. But you were not willing. See, your house is left to you desolate. 70 AD, 135 AD, complete. For I say to you, you shall see me no more till you say... Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. That's the second coming, the set of the kingdom. The future restoration of Israel had been predicted. Why do people reject it? Why do people deny it? Why do people alter it from its context? God helped them. The vision of the restoration of the priestly nation of Israel has been described in these three ways, ladies and gentlemen past castigation of Israel the present reconciliation of Israel and the future restoration of Israel now do you believe this or do you think it's just stories I hope you think it's his story a real one real history in advance
0: Pastor Xavier Reese and an affirmation of God's plan for Israel in the coming days Now you can request a copy of today's essential study, Israel, the Priestly Nation, available on CD for just $4. And by the way, this CD will also contain everything Pastor Xavier shared with us the last time we were together as well. The title you'll be asking for once again is Israel, the Priestly Nation. Or simply mention today's date when you write Simple Truths, 2200 East Colorado Boulevard, Pasadena, California, And it's helpful when you mention the call letters of this station when you contact us. And then join us for more Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese right here next time. Simple Truths with Pastor Xavier Reese, a daily half-hour broadcast, is a radio ministry of Calvary Chapel of Pasadena, California